the grain. Looking at big ideas through the lens of small communities. A podcast where arts, culture, and the human experience intersect. Tackling serious topics through fun perspectives. Seeking the grain of truth. Hello, hello, Grain family. Welcome back. I'm here with my co-host, Darren McLeod. And I'm Jody Srutek. Uh, we are excited. We have another uh, lovely person from 29203 here with us today. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Lamandre Pugh. He is a local here to Columbia, super interesting guy. Um, and we just can't wait to have a conversation with him and you and all of our lovely people of 29203. All right, Grain family, as advertised, we have Mr. Lamondre Pugh in the building. Yay! <laughs> well, not really. I guess you could say in the building, like Zoom. Zoom has changed the whole meeting in the building. Well, well, I'm in my building. Okay. If that helps, yeah. In a building. In a building, he is. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So Levandre, man, we start, we always start here at the beginning. And the beginning is, who are you? <laughs> Ooh, that, that is actually a really good question. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I am Levandre Pugh, uh, born and raised right here in Columbia, South Carolina, in the 29203. That's right, uh, baby. <laughs> absolutely. That's that that is born and bred right there. Um, you know, I the question of who who am I? Mm-hmm. Um I am someone who 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 loves to live life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of times when people say, "How how are you, Lamandre?" I say, "I'm living life and loving it," um, and that's that that's who I am. Um, when people ask me what it is that I do, and I, my response is, "I help people live big, full, authentic lives on purpose." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a longtime disability advocate because I'm a person with a lived experience of of, of having a disability. And honestly, I'm a lover of people and a lover of God. And that's 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 about me in a nutshell, bro. That's yeah, that, that's that's pretty much so. I'm gonna tell the I'm gonna tell the people a little bit about our origin story. Okay. We are big All on right. origin stories here at the grain, like how me and Jody met and how we met that. And uh, so I was I've been thinking about this because the news coming out, I was trying to I don't remember the exact convention we were at, but <laughs> you and I were at a, a convention together, and I want to say. We have a mutual friend, mutual colleague, Julia Brown. Right. And we'll talk more about her, I'm sure, during this, this episode. But I want to say Julia may have um, introduced us real quickly uh, earlier in the day. And you were speaking at the convention. I don't think I even knew it then because I was kind of doing what I usually do. Like, yo, I'm here. Okay, what? What? Okay, all right. Oh, hey. <laughs> right. Hey, dude, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? So she introduced me to doing the wheelchair. I said, okay, cool. And I was like, you know, like, okay, cool, man. Okay, all right, all right, all right. And I um, sat down in the audience. And when your turn came up to present, I was like, yo. Because, you know, great family, you know, I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a theater professional, so I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to to energy and presence and even the lilt of a voice, the sound. And you came up there and the whole audience was just like wrapped. I mean, you could you could hear people breathing. It was that quiet. And you just wow. kind of did your thing and it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't like you were like, ah, you know, you just kind of, and that's the other thing. I, I knew that this was like 
like a natural thing for you. Kind of like, it, well, to your point, like you just said, it's who you are. That's yeah. who you are. And I remember afterwards, I sought you out because that's like, I got to work with this dude. <laughs> I want to work with this dude. Do you remember that? Do you recall? I do. I do. I do remember that. And, and, and the thing is, I knew who you were before we met because anybody who's been in the community has seen your work uh, oh, on okay. some level or, or something. And so I knew that, that I, I knew who you were, but we had never met prior to then. Mm-hmm. And my feeling was the same thing about you, um, that it was very natural for you with the way you communicated. And the way that I look at it is that I am always looking for people who are willing to share and promote positivity, people who are willing to help people see the better in them uh, and, 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 and really find ways to connect um, with people. And so you were one of the people that I've always wanted to connect with. And Julia did make that connection happen. And Julia, uh, Julia Brown DeBose, for those of you who don't know, she is the executive director of Arts Access South Carolina. And Arts Access South Carolina is an organization that connects people with disabilities to to the arts. Um, And I am the chairman of Arts Access South Carolina. And Julia is also Julia's also like my work wife. Uh, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of the arts, uh, and uh, shout out to you, Julia. We love absolutely, you. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And she's also known me since I was four years old. Yeah, I so, didn't realize that when she told me that. I was like, "What?" She said, yeah, I yeah. know that boy. She's just four years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she connected us, and when and uh, and and during that particular uh, during that particular presentation, I think we were talking about uh, accessibility. And we were mm-hmm. talking about it in terms of the arts. Uh, at least that was my specific role uh, mm-hmm. during that particular uh, during that particular event. That sounds right because that sounds like something I would have been at. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was like it was definitely dealing with the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 my role was about accessibility uh, towards mm-hmm. that. And and honestly, man, ever since then, it has been the the, the kind of thing where it's man, we got to figure out how to work <laughs> together. We got to figure out how to do something. Together, and so, so, we so just I appreciate had, this opportunity. Well, well, I'm glad you're on here, man. This is not the end. We've had some near misses, and we just had a real near miss. You and I, about the same time that Jody and I were beginning to meet about this podcast, you and I were trying to work out a podcast, and it just right. didn't happen because sometimes, right. no matter how uh, good the idea, you know, the world, the universe is full of good ideas that right. haven't been executed, right. but. You still on my list, bro. Don't don't worry about that. Don't worry. This is just the beginning. Don't worry <laughs> about that. I we still on my list, and I dream up. Uh, I've been thinking about different scenarios. I've been thinking about different shows. I think you could fit in, and you know, one thing is that you're such a busy, busy, busy man. Staring <laughs> into our to the episode that we recorded with Demetria, and it's. It's almost unfortunate that we couldn't get everybody together because that could have been a very cool and interesting conversation to have Lamandre and Demetria, you know, and ourselves. Oh, yeah. Dynamic. And I just left the end of that conversation with her thinking like, this girl is a genius. I mean, she is a creative (laughs) genius. She is so she was honestly bursting with passion and excitement and ideas uh at the end of our conversation you have to catch that episode when it when it airs so um, 
Very, very interesting. But, you know, she spoke a little bit about her health journey and how it influenced her art. So it's e interesting to me, I think, would have been a good fit to have you talk about being a, you know, a disability rights advocate in the field of the arts. Um, would have right. been a good fit. Um, I, Jody's right. We meet so many cool people through this podcast. I get to share you guys with the rest of the Grain family, which I have to say this every episode now. Um, did you know the Grain is now being heard in India, in Ireland, in New Zealand? That's in Australia, right. in yeah. Canada, in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, don't, don't hate me for saying it like that. I just, <laughs> I got caught up. <laughs> These stories are worldwide, man, just like we said, because people are worldwide. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yeah, I think there's a lot of commonality between you and Demetria. And I don't know, do you know Seita? I don't. I think, that, I think we've had a lot of people in here one day, Jody, we, we got to have a big episode. We have like everybody, maybe after Zoom, we can get everybody in the room together, have a big party. You know what? I, I'm really interested in, in connecting. And I think that, first of all, congratulations on the fact that you all are, 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 are heard internationally, number one. But number two, the effort that you've put into this. I've listened uh, over, or I listened to a few episodes and I've heard mm -hmm. the evolution, I've heard the growth. Uh, in it. And I love the voice. I love the perspective uh, that both of you bring uh, to the table. And so please continue to, 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 to put that out there and continue connecting people because that's what this is. Just like you just said that, you know, no longer is the 29203 localized, even though we're talking about it from that perspective, but the truth is we're all connected. And I believe that that's one of the things that the pandemic has taught us is how connected we really are and how necessary connection really is. When you boil it back, when you really boil it down to our basic needs, they're really very, very simple and they are so similar. Mm -hmm. And before mm -hmm. we were so caught up into, well, this is mine over here and that's theirs over there and they need to be over there. And I'm concerned about mine that when the world was forced to pause to stop and sit still, we then realize that, wait a minute, I have those same issues, those same needs, those same desires. Now it's from a different perspective, but it's still common. And I think that platforms like this really help to amplify the humanity of, of all of us, really. It helps to bring a commonality to us all, which makes me want to understand Jody which makes me want to look inside Darian's world. So this is good. And I think that I, I, I really, really love even the name, the grain, because it's the seed. It's the beginning. It is the, the core element. And I think it's beautiful, man. So big ups to you all. And we'll take that. I, I'll go, but you, Judy, I'll take all that. Yo, I feel yeah, inspired. Well, you know what really is, it struck me about what you just said was Demetria actually spoke about the connection between people, you know, I had not met her either before our talk and she, she spoke about how, you know, me telling my story to her made her realize commonalities within her own. And there was a connection there, even though we are very different people. Um, and, and to also to your point, when you were talking about the pandemic and when things shut down, 
Darian, you and I have discussed this before. The thing that drew people together more than anything, what did people fall back to? It was the arts, you know, music and film and, you know, um, podcasts too, of course. Right. But anything we could to connect to other humans when we were so disconnected. Um, and and exploring that even even in times when we can be together, I think is is very valuable. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. Recalling, um, I'm gonna revisit Demetria's episode one more time if we move forward. But she said something um, to you, Jody, that really made me think, and I think it's applicable in this situation in a different kind of way. She was talking about reminder. She was talking about her illness. Um, she's had multiple illnesses illnesses and uh, renal failure and all kinds of different things. Uh, it's interrupted her schooling and her life in general. And she was just talking about how she's handling it through her art and through her life. And she talked about her mom's and how she was her mom's sick child. And when Jody on our second episode talked about her sick child, Demetria said she found, to your point that you just made, linkage, a bondage, right. a right. sharing there. You know, she said it, she said it was really kind of eloquent. She said, she said, I'm gonna mess it up. But she said something like, you know, I was, Miss Jody, I felt like I was your sick child. Or something she said, like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was really mm-hmm. cool. It was really, yeah. really powerful. Really. It yeah. made her think about her mother's experience because she had only uh, experienced her illness through her own lens. Right. You know, as the patient, but then she realized like her mother had this whole other, it happened to her too. It's just in a different way. Right. Um, right. It right. gave her like a window into what her mother went through um, as a caregiver for a sick child. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have experiences like that with, with in your own life and folks that you work with where you see, you know, that perspective, that that change in perspective, that walking in somebody else's shoes. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, 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 I let me tell a little bit of my my story um, in terms of in terms of my, my background, and 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 hopefully this will help ground some of some of the ideas uh, th- that I have and why I see the world the way that I do. So, as I said, I was born right here in Columbia, South Carolina, in the two nine two zero three. Um, when I was about nine months old, I started walking. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby. I'm running around and all this kind of stuff. But my mother noticed that I would not run. She noticed that I would walk, but I would not run. And then she also noticed that when I fell down, that I really struggled to get back up. It was hard. Now, her having a child before me, she realized that this was not necessarily normal. So she wanted to get it checked out. So we set up an appointment with the pediatrician. He sent us to a specialist. The specialist came back. He's just being lazy. He'll mm. grow out of it. Now, mm. what does a nine-month-old know about being lazy? I'm discovering my face. You know, so it's like, nah, man, wow. everything is, but that's what they said. And she was like, yeah, nah, that's not what's up. So long story short, eventually we got an appointment down with the medical university in Charleston at eight, 18 months old. That's when they diagnosed me with muscular dystrophy. They did a muscle biopsy. And at the time, the prognosis was very grim. It was said that I would not live to be five years old. And if I did live beyond that, I would be, in their words, quote, a vegetable, unquote, um, until about age of 10, and I'd be out of here for sure. Um, And so, of course, my mother, being a single teenage mom, uh, said, 
what can I do? What, what should I do? And um, after a round of it, they said, well, what have you been doing? And she said, I've been loving him. They said, well, you take him home and you do that. Wow. Now here's what's interesting. When people hear that, a lot of times they think loving someone, particularly someone who has a short life expectancy, that that means to cuddle, cuddle them and give them everything that their little heart desires. Not Betty Pugh, not my mother. That was not her perspective. In fact, her perspective was, her perspective was, and she's never said this, but this is how she carried it. Her perspective was, it doesn't matter how much time we have together. We want it to be quality time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to instill and, and give him the tools that he needs to survive and to survive well. And whatever happens, it happens, but he will be his own person with his own agency and he will be responsible for him. And she proceeded to raise me and my sister that way. My sister is older than me, only by 18 months, but, she, but she's older than me. And, um, and so it was the three of us. It was always the three of us. And we were, we were a very tight unit and we still are. Even though my sister lives all the way in California, we're still a very, very tight unit. But my mother did things like, she would say to me things like, if there's something you want in life, you're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to get it. So in order for me to, 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 to really understand that, what I need you to do is everything that you want to do, anything that you want to do, if it's a school trip or anything, you do everything you can do to get it together. And when you get to a point where you can't do it anymore, then you bring it to me and I'll handle it from there. And that's how she wrote and so everything that she did was like that. I remember when I was about eight years old, I was having, you know, being an eight-year-old, I was, I was being bratty and all that kind of stuff. And she sat me down one day and she said, let me tell you something. Nobody gives a damn about you in that wheelchair. So, whoa. <laughs> she was like, they'll <laughs> pat you on your head. They'll tell you how cute you are, but they will never respect you as a person if you don't stand up and you demand that they respect you as a person. You teach people how to treat you. Mm. And what caught me with that was, first of all, wait a minute. I'm cute little Mandre. What do you mean? <laughs> that they don't care. That he told me the little cute boy in the wheelchair. With the big cheeks, man. Listen, uh, bro. They uh, said at the time, they said I looked like Gary Coleman. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> everybody was pinching my cheeks. What you and talking that about, kind of Andre? Thing. Exactly. That's, that's what it was, you know? And that's how I felt. What you talking about, mommy? You know, but, but that, that really, that, that really established some real troops for me. And not only did, not only was that the perspective that she brought, that was also the standard that she required. I remember when, when I was in the eighth grade, I missed my eighth grade field trip to Washington and it was my fault. And the reason it was my fault was because I knew that there were certain accessibility things that I needed to have in place. And she also knew that I was very capable of handling that stuff, but I didn't, I didn't handle it myself. So, so there were certain accessibility features that needed to be put in place. And some adults did drop the ball, but it was still on me because I saw it and I didn't do anything about it. And she didn't swoop in to save the day. She could have, but she didn't. And basically she allowed me to feel the brunt of what happens when I don't take care of the things that I could take care of. And what was interesting was that, of course, at the time I felt like, ah, I missed the trip. I missed the trip. But she allowed me to do that. And, and 
as I grew older and here recently, I realized what she did in that situation was not punish me. She respected me enough to make me realize that I had my own agency, Mm. that I was responsible for me and that I could do it. So at 13, she was instilling those kinds of lessons in me. And honestly, those things have, those things have served me well, even throughout my experience now as an adult. So that, that, that is my mother. That is the lady that raised me. And and, uh, that is the perspective that, that I have in life, that it's really about, it's really about creating your own destiny and your own path and being responsible for that. I love how you described it as love. Like that is, that is her love for you. And it's not just because you're right. I think too many people make that mistake where they just, you know, want to provide everything and solve every problem. They call them snowplow parents now because they're like not even, a, not even a helicopter parent that's like always overhead, like right. a snowplow just clearing every obstacle out of the way for their kids. But we don't learn that way. Absolutely. Uh, we don't. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they grow into adults and and are not um, able to adult. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, <laughs> In and a I very complicated she, world. Yeah. And I think that's what she did. She, she instead of her plowing it out the way she gave me the shovel and said, this is your shovel. Wow. That's your snow. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, hey, uh, yeah. Lamandre, are you lucky enough to still have your mom? Yes. Cool. 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 I would. Yes. Hey, this is going to sound corny. It's going to sound super. I'm, I'm really moved, man. Hearing your story and Jody, hearing you and Demetria talk yesterday, Lamandre, hearing you talk about your mom. My mom's name is Bessie. Mm-hmm. Your mom's name is Betty and all this. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, like uh, today, whenever this episode airs, I have officially, unofficially, officially declared it Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I am with you. <laughs> so I, Darren McLeod, hereby unofficially, officially declare today Mother's Day here on the gray. <laughs> I am with you, man. I am with you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is such a cool story. And even just... Your mom is teach. She taught you that, but just listening to your mom right now is teaching me. You know, I have a thirteen year old who has her own challenges. She's mm-hmm. not disabled, but mm-hmm. she's like any other thirteen year old, any other human being. She right. has her own challenges, and I struggle with how to deal with her challenges. Right? You know, do I take care of this for her? Do I make her do this? Do I, you know, am I being too harsh? And of course, she's you no. Know, She's my only girl. She's my only daughter. So, you know, daddies and daughters, you know, that's my, that's my ace. That's my Right. Right. You know, so sometimes I'm a little probably soft when I need not to be. That that was really inspiring, man. That was real good stuff. That was really good. So let's, let's, let's dive deeper into the world of Lamontre. What you, uh, so you grew up here in 29203. Where'd you go to elementary school? I actually went to a school called Brockman and Brockman was a school that was exclusively for students with disabilities. Um, so from kindergarten, first grade through seventh grade, I actually went to Brockman. Wait a minute. So where was Brockman? Tell me, where was that physically? Brockman was located in the Forest Acres uh, community. Uh, it's now, I believe, a Montessori school or something Dude, like that. this is so crazy. Okay, you went to Brockman? Uh-huh. The bird, my daughter, she went to Brockman because you're <laughs> correct. Brockman is now... Um, a Montessori school. Yeah. So yeah. she went there from pre-K to fifth. 
Oh, fantastic. See, when, 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 when back in the day, when I was growing up, it was, it used to be a school called Withers and it was located over uh, where the um, Health South campus is, or Richland Memorial. And mm -hmm. then we moved, we moved over there and it was exclusively for students with disabilities. Uh, and the disabilities range from students like myself with quote, severe unquote disabilities to students with profound disabilities. Mm -hmm. Again, air quotes around the word profound uh, disabilities. And, and, and that's what the school was. Um, mm -hmm. And it was only for students with disabilities. So from kindergarten through the seventh grade, through the seventh grade, I was at Brockman. Cool. All right. So you leave Brockman and you go. W.G. Sanders. Oh, okay. See, you, you and a bird follow. That's where the bird is right now. At oh, Sanders. wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's where she is right now as Sanders. So you're at Sanders and, yep. and, and that's the middle about school. Sanders. Yeah, that's tell the middle me about, school. Tell me yeah. about Sanders. Yeah, so remember I told you my mom was like, uh, was like if there was something that I wanted, I needed to go after it and get it myself and just bring it to her when it was ready, right? Right, right, right. So when I was about 12 years old, I realized that academically I was way behind where my sister was. In terms of in terms of the challenge, in terms of of the things that she was learning, and my sister is my superhero. Okay, mm -hmm. um, every everything that she did, I wanted to be a part of. Everything that everything that 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 challenged her, that she excelled at, I mm -hmm. wanted to be a part of that. I wanted that experience, and so she was always really inclusive. But I noticed that when she came home, you know, I would work on her projects with her. And it would be so interesting and so fun, but I never had that kind of a challenge where I was, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I was about 12 years old, I decided that I wanted to go to regular school, quote, regular school, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I was slick. So I didn't think, I, I didn't know exactly how to do that. So what I did was I went to school and I told my teacher, her name was Miss Hewitt. I said, Miss Hewitt, my mother wants to talk to you about me changing schools. She was like, okay, we'll, 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 um, we'll, we'll get that scheduled and, and, and set it up. I went home. I said, mommy, Miss Hewitt wants to talk to you about me changing schools. <laughs> she was like, okay, no problem. So Miss Hewitt sent the note home. They set up the meeting. We're in the meeting. They said, uh, my middle name is Teron. So Miss Hewitt says, so, so Miss Pew, I understand we want to talk about Teron um, changing schools. And she was like, wait a minute. I thought you wanted to talk to me about changing schools. And then they both kind of look over at me and then I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, um, yeah, I, I want to change schools. And that's how it started. So the very next year I was, it's called being mainstreamed. I was mainstreamed uh, mm -hmm. to WG Sanders in my eighth grade year. And um, I went from being one of all students with disabilities to where to a school where I was the only student with an obvious disability in, in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that changed my world, man. That Talk changed about my that, world. man. How did that change your world? Talk about that. Listen, man, it was, it was interesting because that was also the first year that, that we started like rezoning districts and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these kids, I didn't know some of them I knew from oh. the neighborhood. But a lot right. of these kids I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Because we were originally zoned for W.A. Perry mm -hmm. uh, until that year. And um, so it was new. It was all the way new. I was nervous. You know, I was it was it was all of those things. And all the anxieties that a 13 year old 
uh, has uh, going to a new school. But mm-hmm. here's the other thing. My body was changing because I have spinal muscular atrophy, which is a form of muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. And just, just to kind of give some, give some background about that. Um, so with spinal muscular atrophy, I have basically the same functional limitations as someone who has quadriplegia. Um, I have to have assistance with everything. I can't bathe myself. I can't feed myself. Um, I have very little movement in my right hand. And um, so I can, I can manipulate a mouse and I can drive my chair. But that's about the extent of, of what my physical capabilities are in terms of moving independently. And, uh, but it's progressive. So during this time, I could still push my chair, but I couldn't push very well. And so my body was changing. All these kinds of things were going on. So when I went to W.G. Sanders, I was, you know, Bubba. That's my nickname, Bubba. I have a bunch uh-huh. of names. You know how we do it, man. I have a bunch of names. <laughs> and um, a minute your name will be Pookie. You don't, uh, do anybody refer to you as Pookie or Poochie? No, 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 not Poochie. But my sister's nickname is Pooh. <laughs> of course. Of so, course. so it was always Pooh and Bubba. That's, that's uh, what it was always. Pooh Bubba. and Bubba. That's quite that's, a key right there. That's it. And we were, man, and still are, I'm telling you. Uh-huh. But anyway, so when I went to W.G. Sanders, I was Bubba, the boy in the wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, I had, you know, uh, you know, people that would push me from class to class, like different kids would volunteer to do that. And the cool part was I got to pick who, you know, the, the, out of the people who wanted to volunteer, I got to pick who they were. So, mm-hmm. of course, I picked the prettiest girls. Of course. That's, that's how I, I rolled, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's literally how I rolled, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um so we would do that, you know, but, but I was Bubba, the boy in the wheelchair. And that's mm-hmm. until, and this, hmm, that's until I was in chorus class. Mm-hmm. And before I even got to that, when I was in Brockman, I, I always sang. And I had a music teacher that taught me to play piano early in the mornings before, uh, before class. Um, so I, I, I knew the scales and all those kinds of things. And we were in chorus class one day, and this was the beginning of the year. And my chorus teacher, she was trying to decide or determine who, what voice parts different people sang. And so she said, um, who, who, who knows where middle C is on the piano? I raised my hand. She was like, good, go over there and play middle C. So I went and played middle C. And what she had me do was run the scales for everybody in the class to mm-hmm. find out what voice part they sang. And at the end, she said, okay, your turn. So I run the scales for me. And I started... When I did that, the girls perked up, Hmm. did it again. And they realized that, wait a minute, this boy can sing, right? Uh, So it was like, okay, cool, no problem. So we did that. We sat down. We, you know, we did that. Then at recess, group of girls standing around me, right? And it was like, hey, you sang earlier. Sing something now. So I was nervous and looking around. I was like, okay. At the time, Bobby Brown's I Need a Girlfriend <laughs> was the song that was out, right? And so I sang that, right? Uh-huh. And they went, ah. And of course, when the girls did that, all the boys came around. Right, right, right. Because you got this group of girls standing around. And in that and moment, nothing attracts a group of boys like a group of girls. Like a group of girls, right? Mm-hmm. In that moment, I went from Bubba the Boy in the Wheelchair to Bubba the Boy Who Could Sing. Oh and man, Darian, let me tell you something. That gave me a confidence. Uh-huh. That gave me a it gave me a perspective that outside of my immediate family, 
I did not have mm. before. I literally say the arts gave me my voice. And that's what I mean by that. When you hear me say that, when you hear me say that the arts gave me my voice, that's what I mean. And this is why I encourage people where no matter where you are, always look for the value. Always mm -hmm. look for the opportunity that someone has to offer what is theirs. And it doesn't have to be uh, 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 an athlete or a musician or anything mm -hmm. like that, but just understand that everyone has a value. And you, that you have value because you are you. Because you are. Because you know, the rest of that stuff is cool if you're beautiful or if you're uh, big and fast or if you can sing really well, you could draw really well. Can, all that is cool too. And that makes you special. That doesn't make you, you have value because you are you. Exactly. And, and helping people to realize that, helping people to realize that, because in that space, in that space, I didn't feel, I didn't feel separated in that space. Well, can, can we stop there for a second? Now, that's a powerful statement you just made. You didn't feel separated in that space. So had you felt separated before? I would think yes, but you tell me, had you felt separated before? Yeah, in terms of, in terms of school. In mm -hmm. terms of that, like I said, outside of my home, you know, that was one of the that was one of the areas in which it was I was still trying to feel my way through it and understand how I fit in mm -hmm. in, in this world, you mm -hmm. know, um, because up until then, there was nothing really special that mm -hmm. anyone saw other than the fact that, yo, look how he gets around. So mm -hmm. that was the definition of who I was. And here's the problem. So often we look at people as one dimension, right? Mm -hmm. We don't see or, or we don't appreciate the complexity that makes us all human. Because the truth is we're not monolithic. We, we are not this, just, one, just this one thing, you know? Um, and, and I often hear people say things like, well, your disability doesn't define you. It does not define me, but it's certainly a defining point. Mm -hmm. It is not the defining point, but so is the fact that I'm black. Right. So is the fact that I'm male. Right. So is the fact that I'm sexy. So all of those things, <laughs> all of those things combined, all of those things combined make me who I am. All right. So can, can I, can I, I want to drill down on something. Mm -hmm. You keep saying, you know, today in today's world, uh, naming things is extremely important. Or it seems Seems to be some people are going to argue the importance of it, but naming things, you know, uh, everything from they're all we have all these different categories. So I know sometimes people you you use the word disability to say mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know sometimes people don't know a different. I've heard uh, 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 differently able. I've right. heard. I know you've heard all the different nomenclature, but you are right. comfortable with disabled. Can we talk about that? Is it, is it, and I think I see people sometimes, I have been in situations where I didn't know what, you know, I don't want to be insulting, but I don't want to be uh, kind of sick. Like sometimes people struggle so much with categories. It just, you know, it gets weird. Absolutely. Just, like say, hey, what's up, sexy? <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right, right. <laughs> and you can do that with me. You can do that with me anytime, you know? That, that's Lamadre, Lamadre. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I ain't calling you sexy. I ain't. Hey, listen here, bro. You, you can call sexy. that. I might, I won't answer for you. I promise I won't answer <laughs> you. And I'm not calling any other man sexy, okay? Right. And I ain't I got no problem that, with anybody. I ain't got no problem with any man that finds you sexy. Let's not exactly. spin off of that. And I ain't got no problem, but I ain't calling you sexy. Just, not, just not to keep a problem. it real, bro. Not, not, not a problem. Not, <laughs> not a problem at all. And, and yeah, but, but you can call me that. That's fine. No, man, I, I fully get what you're saying. And, and I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you why I am so comfortable with that. Or let's mm-hmm. start here. People are often trying to soften what they see as a negative. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just let me give you a, a story that kind of balances that. So inevitably, when I work with people, they'll say, we'll have this conversation at, at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. They'll say, Lamandre, man, you're so smart. You're so talented. You're so um, sexy. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll say that too. They'll say things like, uh, uh, when I see you, I don't see your disability. Mm. And here's the thing. I understand the spirit mm. in which that is given. However, it is not a compliment. And let me tell you why it is not a compliment. What you're really saying is I don't see any of the stereotypical negatives that are associated with disabilities in you. So you can't be a person with a disability because you have all of these positives. And what they're really saying in that is that I don't see anything wrong with you. And disability is innately something wrong. Mm -hmm. That is a concept that's based in ableism. That is a concept that's based in there is something wrong with you. So it must be wrong in totality. The totality of you is wrong but I don't see that in you. So I comfortably use the word disability because I am a person with a disability. I'm not differently abled. I'm not mm. handy capable. I am not any of those things. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand if there are people who they find comfort in that, that's fine. If it, because, because I'm also not a person who wants to run in and tell someone how they should think mm. about themselves. Mm-hmm. I just realized that I embrace the whole of who I am. And I'm not ashamed of it because when the talent comes to the table, when the smarts come to the table, when the charisma comes to the table, and yes, when the sexy comes to the table, also what comes is my melanin. That comes to the table as well. My disability is also accompanying me at the table. My experiences, both good and bad, are coming to the table as well. And it all comprises who I am. It all makes me a part of, it all is a part of who I am. It makes me a part of this human experience. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to deny, to downplay, or to hide any portion of who I am to make other people comfortable. Because my role is not to make you comfortable. My role is to really shine. My role is to bring all that I have to the table. And if there are certain parts that you can't deal with, then don't deal with it. But don't deny me of who I am either. No, no, I was, I was going to say that 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 would be a, a lot like you know me saying, "Yo, damn you, man! When when I see you, man, you you sharp, man, you smart, man, you 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 really pulling together. I, I don't even see you, man. You're right, you're right. I don't see a black man. You left out sexy. You left out sexy. Well, I wasn't gonna call you sexy. Anyway, right. I, I got that. We, my we got that same thing. We got the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I was gonna say, bro, is exactly this grain family. 
this is the, the Lamandre, like I said, when you were on that stage and talking, what I'm feeling from you, know, the vibe, the energy I'm getting from you right now. And I think the vibe and the energy that you're broadcasting out through this media, which is podcasting. This is what I felt, you know, it's, it's hard being a human being, man. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard just being anything. It's hard being a man. It's hard being a woman. It's hard being black. It's hard being white. It's hard being native. It's hard being tall. It's hard being short. It's hard being in a wheelchair. It's hard being, it's just hard being a human being. And a lot of us, myself included, you know, you try to, in, in the process of trying to figure that out, sometimes you're trying to do things that you are not. Yeah. Because you think that's an easier path. Right. You know, you're, you're conforming to this, you're doing this, or you won't stand up. And I saw this dude on stage, like I said, I'm, you know, game kind of recognized game too. I, I saw this dude on stage who was comfortable, who made no apologies. One of the things I tell my actors all the time is when you get on that stage, don't make an apology for that. And by that, I mean, you know, especially coming from Columbia, South Carolina, a lot of times you're going to be on in situations with people who have, uh, more training, um, right. teachers with better reputation. You know, you're coming from, you know, disadvantaged situations or just whatever, but you are just as good as anybody out there. That's why you're there. Listen, listen, man, that, that, that is a lesson that, that I've learned mm-hmm. over the years that mm-hmm. I have a right to take up space. Right. I have a right to an opinion and I have a right to voice it. Now, you have the right to not like it. You have a right to disagree. You have a right to not even like me, and that's cool. But that does not diminish the fact that I belong. The fact that I'm breathing says that I belong. Mm. So embracing that and understanding the value that I actually have, and I'm not talking about what other people see, because honestly, if it were left up to general society, general society says like people like me and people like you, that we are less than general society says that our values or, 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 or our perspectives are not valued. And, and, and we can see it institutionalized. And there are so many other groups that have been marginalized. There are so many other people that have been pushed to the margins, that society is constantly screaming to them that you don't belong. If you don't think, believe, look, or act this particular way, there is something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. When the truth is, my purpose is tied up into me thinking, believing, looking, and acting this way, because this is who I am, naturally. I'm not talking about who I aspire to be. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about when I've assimilated to a particular way of being. I'm talking about being authentic and living and living truthfully to who I am. I belong. I have purpose. I have reason. I have value. And it's the embracing of that and recognizing that I contribute so much more to the world when I am walking in my authentic self. That is, that, that is the charge for me. That is, that is the call for me. And this is why I say what I do is I help people live big, full, authentic lives on purpose. That is a personal mission statement. Mm. That is a personal mission statement. Yes, I have. I do what I do for work. I'm the CEO of an organization called Billion Strong. 
which is an identity movement, a global identity movement for people with disabilities, by people with disabilities. And we simply work on making the world a better place for people with disabilities. But the overarching theme is that I'm really engaged in making the world a better place, period. And it starts from that personal thing of helping people live big, full, authentic lives on purpose. Bro, I appreciate all that. This is this is this is cool. But I got I'm gonna take us in a different direction. Let's go. I wanna ask you. It's always cool to meet somebody like you. I like to say, as soon as I saw, I said, like, yo, that brother right there, I need to know him. I need to know him. We're going to do something together. I'm still holding you today. Right. We're going to do something together. We're going to do it. We're going to do besides it. Besides this podcast. Um, but like, like I said, we've all had challenges. I want to talk about vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. You had different challenges than most of us. And it's cool to like watch a, a TV show or listen to a podcast where people are talking about how they triumph over their challenges. But if you could, would you share a vulnerability, something like to me, sometimes it's a little, I want to say off-putting, that's not the correct word. You hear about people overcoming so much that, that sometimes it's just good to even share, for me to hear other people struggle. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I mean? And share like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's not like, as cool as LaMondre is, he hasn't figured it all out yet. He's still Absolutely. working on it too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it makes, I think it just makes people human. Like, I think one of the things that happens is we, like one of the things that the cult of celebrity to me right now, is really kind of strange how, you know, we, we want, we talk to a singer or actor about science or politics or whatever. And if they make a misstep, they say the wrong thing, then we want to, ball them up and throw them away. You know, this whole thing where everybody's got to be perfect. Yeah. And it's like, for a lot of people, I think for most of us, the beauty is in your imperfection. That doesn't mean I want you to be an evil person or a bad person. Yeah. But we all got, I got blind spots. I got, you know, I'm, I'm working, you know, I hope, you know, like they, I, I see one thing they'll do now, they'll show, you know, what well, 20 years ago, um, LaMondre tweeted this. And Lamadre yeah. comes out and says, yeah, that, that was 20 years ago. I don't believe in that anymore. Right. And I was like, I hope that God, you know, I don't believe, sometimes I disagree with myself, myself from five days ago. <laughs> five <laughs> so, minutes ago, bro. Right. <laughs> Thoughts you know change. I mean? Thoughts change. So, yes. I'm kind of, I, I, I think I'm circling a drain here, but you see, understand what I'm saying? Like, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought out that point because so often we have a tendency to pedestalize people. And mm-hmm. what we do is we say, well, I, I can never be that mm-hmm. because I'm dealing with this thing. I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. And, and I look up to that, but I could never achieve that because I've got X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. So mm-hmm. I want to share with you my X, Y, Z. And um, this is something that I've been working on. And this has brought me to this perspective. So the end of the year is always really a reflective time for me. Mm-hmm. I look back on the events and what has happened and how I felt in those situations. And I know for guys, a lot of times the words feeling and felt are considered dirty words because of masculinity and all those kinds of strong, things. Gotta be strong. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. There is nothing stronger than a person who is in touch with how they feel. Say that again, bro. Say there that again. There is nothing stronger than a person that is in touch with how they feel and understand 
what that means and how that how that really translates into behavior and how that translates into habit. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the year, I've been doing a lot of personal work. And what I did was I wrote down what was important to me in terms of core values. And I'm not talking about wordsmithing. I'm not talking about things that should be important to me or what sounded good to me, but I'm talking about what really makes me tick, what mm-hmm. really what really touches me, right? And then I also wrote down a list of what were some of the things that I believed about myself that were limiting me, mm. things that would hold me back from doing things or making or, or things that made me make certain decisions. And even if they were not true, they were still influential in terms of what I thought. And I laid those, I, I, those two lists, I laid them side by side and I saw how things canceled out other things and when did I feel disconnected? When did I feel as if I was not fulfilling what my purpose is and what I wanted in life for myself? And I had to start doing some work, Darian. Mm. I had to start doing work. I, I, I had to start saying those feelings of insecurity, those feelings of, of doubt, those feelings of I'm not good enough, because even with all of this confidence, there was still this sense of I'm an imposter. Mm. I shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. I've done things like I've spoken to Bloomberg in New York. Mm -hmm. I've spoken for the UN. I've Mm. done these things. And the whole time I'm still feeling like, what am Mm. I doing here? Mm -hmm. And I started looking at some of the things that, that fed into that way of thinking. And I had to start to do the work of overcoming that because here's the thing. How I got there was not important. What am I doing here was not important. But the fact was that I was on a platform where I could share my why. I could share my message. I could share. So obviously I was supposed to be there, but for some reason in my head, I still had those doubts. Mm -hmm. I was literally looking at it from the perspective of they're going to see who I really am. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're gonna see through. Everybody else thinks you're this cool cat, but somehow these people are gonna magically see through and see that I am not that. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And, and, and but here's the funny thing about that, Darian. In doing the work, what I realized, those thoughts were lies. Mm. Those thoughts were false. The fact that I wasn't good enough, or if somebody could see who I really was. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. And sometimes I don't even like to use the word mistakes because sometimes it's not a mistake. Sometimes mm-hmm. I know what I did and I meant to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's and not maybe a the outcome is different from what you projected it to be. All right. You know, sometimes the outcome is even better if you could just accept that the outcome is different. Listen, why can't it just be that I am who I am with all of my positives and negatives? Mm-hmm. That my life is what it is with all of its positives and negatives. And I still have value. I'm still the guy who's bringing this stuff. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that. It doesn't matter that my crown is crooked. It's still my crown. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that it's got a dent or a ding or a little bit dusty. It is still my dented, dinged up, dusty crown. 
And so I need to wear it. And honestly, that has been, that has been one of the things that has allowed me to accept people as people mm -hmm. to help, to, 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 to help me understand that, that along this journey, we will experience things that are positive and negative, but it's all a part of who I am. It's all a part of making me, of making me what I am. And it, 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 it's still important. It's still important, you know, and that we all have that. So that allows me not to put people above me, but it also allows me not to put people below me either. Right. It really is a, I don't even want to say a level playing field. It, it really is more of just the soup that we all swim in. You know mm. what I mean? It's, it's, it's mm. that we're all connected, you know, it, it's a, it is a nonlinear way of thinking. It's much more harmonious. Mm. And, and, and that's how, that's how I see it. So that is my, that th those are my X and Y's and, and um, yeah. And so, and so just to kind of encapsulate that my journey thus far, especially this year has been doing the work and, 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 and just let me share this with you too. So in going through that process of kind of evaluating where I was and where I wanted to go, you know, at the end of the year, we make a lot of resolutions usually. And I typically don't make resolutions, right? And I didn't this year either, but I did make some goals. But more importantly than making goals and, and, and resolutions and all those kinds of stuff, I made a decision. And when I say decision, I'm not talking about, I think I want to do this, or I, I might reckon I might want to do that. No, I'm talking about a decision when there is no other option, when this is the direction that we're going in and, and this is what we're going to do. And after looking at what my core values were and what really is important to me, I decided that from here on out, I'm going to be intentional about doing love, mm. doing love. I know that sounds weird, but this is what I mean. I'm not talking about the feelings. I'm not talking about the endorphin producing um, butterflies in my stomach. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the action of love. I am talking about everything that I'm involved in, everything that is created and generated from me has to be about doing love, love of myself, love of my planet, and love of my fellow brothers and sisters. And here's the thing. I've always done that in terms of in terms of making certain that the things that I was involved in was about the good of humanity. But this time I was going to be intentional about it. So even as my role of CEO of, of Billion Strong, I started looking at the goals that we projected for the organization. And I started looking at the people who actually work in the organization to help fulfill those projects and goals. And I turned my attention to making certain that their lives are fulfilled, making certain that their aspirations and dreams and all of those kinds of things are addressed in the work that we do, because I love them. I want to do love towards them. And honestly, it changed everything because my perspective changed from these are the objectives of the organization to still having the objectives of the organization, but to the people who are actually going to make it happen. If my focus is supporting them and fulfilling them, they will automatically fulfill the roles or the objectives of the organization. And that's what's happened. And I've seen a growth in their leadership 
and in my leadership as a person. And so everything that I do from here on out is going to be doing love. Even in doing this podcast, man, remember the thing that I told you the other day, because I know your heart and I see where it is that you want to go. If you ask me to do something before you ask me, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. We just got to work out the logistics as to how. And so, yeah, that, 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 that's who I am. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to do love um, and to continue to do the work of right. understanding myself, mm-hmm. loving myself. And I often say this, in order to truly love God, you must love self. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm learning that. I'm learning that. Brad, thanks. Um, appreciate your message. appreciate you. If our grain family out there wants to reach out and appreciate you, is there someplace they can find you online to support your work, support you? Do you have anything, um, any, any uh, internet addresses Absolutely. that you want to share with us? Absolutely. First of all, you can check out um, the, the website for, um, for the organization that I lead. We are Billion Strong, and that is billion-strong.org. That's billion strong dot org um you can catch me on uh, twitter at lamondre underscore p that's l-a-m-o-n-d-r-e underscore p also the same thing on instagram uh lamondre underscore p or you can catch me on facebook lamondre pew and you'll see bubba in parentheses that's me uh, <laughs> bubba absolutely and of course you can email me lamondre at gmail.com that's lamondre at gmail.com dot com and um yeah that's it send a message on a bottle however you want to get to send a message baby and um <laughs> if you guys want to reach out to me uh you do it here we have a facebook page the grain on facebook reach out or if you want to find me on um well i have a website uh at darion mcleod d-a-r-i-o-n-m-c-c-l-o-u-d dot Calm. That's right, baby. Or you can just hit me up at Daryl McLeod Storyteller on Facebook and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. But that's more so that we we want to talk with you guys, man. We want to exchange. We want to reach out and touch. Yeah. But uh, Lamandre, this brings us to the conclusion of today's episode. Hey, this Darren, Mother's before, Day. Darren, before, before we go, before we go, there is one thing that I want to say. Okay. First of all, thank you and Jody. And that is for pulling this together. I, uh, I am so and Isabel, uh, Isabel, Isabel, is Isabel. Yeah. yeah, I don't know Isabel, but Isabel. Yeah, I met Isabel you. yet. Yeah, not yet. Okay. <laughs> Isabel, thank you. Thank you. And, and 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 again, I think that this is just such a wonderful platform and that I see the growth that's happening with this. And um continue to 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 shine, man. Continue to let your voice be heard. I've seen your work for years throughout the community. And it is amazing. You are an amazing storyteller. You have an absolutely beautiful spirit, my brother. So thanks, bro. Keep shining, man. Keep shining, bro. But you know what? You left out again. I'm sexy. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, great family. Y'all be good, man. We love you. All right. Peace. The Grain Podcast is brought to you through a grant from the Knight Foundation in partnership with Indie Grits Labs and the lovely people of 29203. Thanks to our audio engineer, Isabel Alvarado, and our hosts... 
Daria McLeod. And Jody Srutek. And don't forget to subscribe to The Grain for more great episodes.